What if you had 35 properties that you were managing in a completely different area and it was all being run by a team overseas? Does that just give you anxiety? Well, that's exactly what Dan Kang is doing. He's going to show you exactly how you can do that in your business too. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Calling all real estate investors, especially short-term rental investors, if you are looking to invest your money in owning a short-term rental, but you don't know where to buy, I have a hot tip for you. Kentucky and the Carolinas are a great place. And even with the rising popularity of short-term rentals, these markets continue to thrive. In fact, I'm looking to buy one in these areas as we speak, and I'm going to use Savvy Realty to help me with that transaction. Savvy Realty is an STR-specific real estate brokerage. Not only do they know the best places to buy in the areas that I already mentioned, but their hosts and co-hosts themselves of successful short-term rental properties. They know what it takes to turn a simple property into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. Whether you want to flip a house, rent your own home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty and their agents can help you figure out what type of STR investment is right for you. Tyler Kuhn is the founder of Savvy Realty, and he and his team will consider everything from the overall look to the age of the home, the distance to transit hubs, and other major factors that you may not have considered. So if you want to make sure the return on your dollar is maximized as much as possible, then follow the link in the show notes to book your next one-on-one -on -one discovery call with Savvy Realty. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value-packed membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month, and you get access to me, my podcast guests, you get to be a part of our amazing private community, you get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course, and maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley. Really excited to have Dan King on the show today. Dan is a good friend of mine. Uh, he actually was one of the first people to join our private Facebook group back uh, in the day when it was uh, a completely different uh, look. But Man, he became one of our coaches at one point, and he's a guy that I mastermind a lot with, and he has built an incredible business here in short-term rentals. He lives in Southern California, does most of his business in Houston, Texas, and has built something that uh, really is just duplicatable and easy for people to be able to come in and out of his business without a whole lot of things changing. Now, he's going to mention something a few times in here, Breeze Way, that he uses for his team management if you go to the six-figure format, if you have not been a member yet, you want to go check it out, there is a discount already to Breezeway that you can take advantage of. 
You just go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. And as always, we always do these live in our Six Figure Formula group, our Facebook group online. That's the best place to interact with us so you can ask questions. And all of our members and uh, podcast members are actually still in that group so you can ask some questions afterward. And if you haven't gone and checked that out, you should because that's just one of the amazing parts of the Six Figure Formula. So again, fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Without further ado, though, let's get to it right now with Dan King. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley. I've got Dan Kang on the show today. And Dan and I go back and, and honestly should have had Dan on our show probably a good two years ago. But man, I'm glad that we've got you now. And Dan, uh, thanks for jumping on, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So quickly before we get started here, you've got an amazing story. You've got an amazing business, but uh, I'm sure you've probably got an amazing guest story as well. What's the craziest, wildest, funniest, or weirdest short-term rental story that you have for our audience? This happened three months ago. I, I stopped taking calls or messaging my STR uh, guests some time ago, but I got a call from the chief of police or a message that my uh, assistant said, you got to call this. Uh -oh. And I've never been so stressed for regarding my business in, in some time. The short of it was we had a person, our, our STR is in Texas and Texas is, you know, it's pretty, you know, oh, I don't want to, nothing about guns, but they, a lot of people pack a gun, but my property manager, women pack guns. And so this gentleman, this guest had a gun and he was doing something with, an, with one of our other neighbors and the police got involved and they were like, we need to know what this is, who's there, blah, blah, blah. And, and anyways, it worked out. It was, he had mental health issues. No, nobody was hurt. And um, so I, as soon as you think you sort of have a, your a handle on the business, anything could happen and um, you just have to roll with it. Uh, so there's no playbook or SO, you know, uh, process for that. You just go with it. Like you said, you just got to figure it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you haven't dealt with some sort of crime or violence in your Airbnb yet, you just haven't been doing it long enough. All right, Dan, before we jump into how you got started and, and why you're managing remotely and where you live and everything, do me a favor, just give everyone a little bit of a, an overview of your business. How many properties, where they're located, do you own them, manage arbitrage? Just give me a little bit of a, a, a look through the lens of what your business looks like. Sure. So I reside in Southern California, in Los Angeles, and um, our company owns all of our units, and they're predominantly in Texas, in the cities of uh, San Antonio and Houston. Uh, we have a few rentals, long-term rentals in California, but the STR, they're in Texas. Uh, so we have long-term rentals in Kansas, the Bay Area, and in Southern California, but the STR business is in Texas. We manage, uh, you know, somewhere between 52 to 58, you know, it's changing as we're selling or buying. And uh, yeah, that's the makeup of our business in a nutshell. You have over 50 now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think the last we talked, you were like 25. Does that include multifamily or is that the number of doors or the number of properties that you have? So I think what we were talking, those were just STR doors. Oh, okay. Got it. Five. And so now we're at, let's say 35. Okay. I never included just regular traditional long-term rentals. Got it. I just kind of put it all together because we do, you know, both LTRs and midterm SDRs. Yeah. And you own every single one of them. Yes. Our company, the, our LLCs own all of them. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Okay. So, and what is your full-time job? 
what are you doing when you're not doing S2? I, I'm a W2 employee. I work in the health health sector. I work for a large company. And, and um, so my research, uh, my background is I help people in the uh, with uh, research of sleep and health, people and, and businesses. And that's what I do. I, you know, I have a degree, a graduate degree in uh, science and health. And um, so that's what I do most of the time. And it, it kind of leads me into this is how did we do it? And uh, so I was in the uh, armed forces, uh, the military. And so we got stationed in many different parts of the country and, and, and the, in the world. Um, and so I would just kind of fall into it. So I bought one property where I was stationed. Next station, I just bought another one. These are long-term with the property manager. And, um, you know, I even bought one overseas when I was stationed overseas, you know? So that's kind of how it started, you know? And then, you know, fast forward, you know, third-party property management, highs and lows of that. And, you know, it's, you don't have time to do that. And then transitioning into the STR sometime around 2016, 2017. That's, that's awesome. I, I don't think I knew that you, uh, that you served. That's awesome. So you, you got into STRs around 2016, 2017, you said, but you're, you're serving, you're, you're doing the, uh, the medical side of things, especially with helping people with sleep. Uh, but what, what exactly drew you to, I mean, seems like you were already doing a lot. What, what is it that drew you to short-term rentals at that time? Yeah, so short-term rentals was an accident. So we were remotely flipping a property in Texas and the market was a little stale. This was in 2016. It was kind of like that big, bad 2008, 2010 period where the market plummeted. And it was still on the, you know, it's kind of slowly recovering. And we said, you know, we got to move this property. Let's stage it, get a professional stager and furnish it. And then I was like, okay. But then, you know, someone mentioned Airbnb. I was like, well, the beds and mattresses and the bases and everything is there. So why don't I just hire an assistant to, you know, put plates and pots and let's just put it on Airbnb with iPhone photos or I got professional photos from the, the stager and, you know, people were coming through open house and then we put it up and like a lot of you guys, if you did it in 2016, no experience, we, our month was booked. Right. Right. And that paid. And then so we on Sunday afternoon, we closed it. We had checkouts on Sunday and we had people do open houses and um, people were coming in. But typically when you do a flip, you could have a mark house sitting there for two, three months. Yeah. While you're paying for whatever expenses. And during those two, three months, you know, I mean, it was great. And so finally, at the end of three months, my realtor said, you know, you know, I gave him a small. No, I'm just going to keep it because it's better just to hold it than flip it. Um, And so that's how I got into it. That's awesome. What was the income like that made you want to say, no, I'm I'm holding this thing rather than flipping it? Yeah. So let's say it was a typical Texas house. You know, let's say we bought it, rehabbed it for at that time, uh, 200 and we're going to sell it for, let's say 250. And so there's a margin minus speak about maybe 35, 40,000 after all said and done 35,000. That's small, but it's not huge because it costs you know, six months to rehab. Sure. But the monthly income at that time was about over 5,000 a month on a $200,000 investment, you know? So, so yeah, that, that was great. Now that same house we have, it's not making over five to 6,000 anymore. It's less because the market's more saturated, but that's what started it. Yeah. Are these properties owned outright or do you have mortgages on them? So what we do is we do something called a Burr strategy by uh, rehab. Uh, refinance and repeat. So 
what we'll do is I'll come in with a cash offer and I'll have some tips about folks who are interested with a cash offer and ways to really get a good rate or a good deal. And because cash offers are different than finance offers, there's certain tricks that you can do to, you know, get, get it a little more discounted. And then we would rehab it. And then we would basically do a um, number of loans, whether it's a Fannie Freddie back mortgage to a DSCR loan, which, you know, it's a different kind of business loan, but basically you would rehab it, take the money out because your equity is high enough. So you buy it, rehab it, and then you can get up to 70% taken out. So you're taking all of the cash that you put in. And so about, I would say half of them are, or two thirds of them are, are financed. And some of them we're going to, but we just haven't had a chance to refinance it just because of busyness. So I want to make sure everyone understands what they just heard. And I know we've talked about the Burr method a little bit, and it's common enough because of Brandon Turner with bigger pockets, but you know, the, the power of this, and I've done, I've done this strategy about four times myself. And the idea here, guys, right. You, you get in with the cash offer. It doesn't have to be your own money, right? Dan, was it your own money or were you raising that money? This was our own money, but I have done junior partnership. So okay. we've done both. Yeah. Okay. So your own money or someone else's money, then you go in, you get it at a discount, you rehab it, it increases the value of the property. And then when you refinance, you get a certain percentage of that money back that can typically cover all of the costs. So if you spent, what do you say, Dan, $200,000 and that thing refinances for 300,000, you could get that 200,000 plus more back in your pocket. You've got a property that you own that for really costs you no money, which is an amazing thing. And so you've gone and done this. Are you saying you've done this 50 plus times or, or some of them were not the Burr strategy? I would say I've done it at least a dozen times. I've, but not 50 plus. When I say doors, they're doors, but some of them are duplexes and, you know, some of them are single family homes, you know, that kind of, so I, I just say doors as 50, but maybe yeah. in terms of structures, they're only like, you know, 30. So, but, but in terms of, cause you do the burr on a building, right? So no, probably 10 to 12 times. And so the concept of not to belabor it, but to add on to what you're saying, Kyle, for the sake of other people who may be hearing this maybe for the first time is, yeah, you buy it and you cause force equity. So you buy it for, let's say a hundred thousand, you put in the sweat or your team does and in appraises for, let's say 150, right? Uh, we're 175. Well, the banks will typically give you a loan to value of 70%. And so you would be able to get back that 100,000 plus a little bit. So you're making what we call an infinite rate of return, right? Because you put no money, cash into the deal, you've taken it all back out. And as long as your uh, cash flow on your income stream is enough to cover the mortgage and taxes, it would, you know, hopefully a good cushion for cash flow, then yeah, you're making capital, you put no money in, and it's called the infinite rate of return. And people talk about stocks of, you know, 15, 12% is good right now, or not, or not even losing money is good. But if you can make, you know, 200% return on your ROI, then they think you're a genius. But what if it's an infinite? Now, those are home runs, and sometimes you've lost, and I, I'll admit, I lost money on deals too. It's not every time. But that's the concept behind the Burr strategy, so that you can basically regain that capital and then repeat process as soon as you get it back out. Yeah, and the beauty of all this, yes, it's awesome for an infinite return, but also, I mean, you know, if that in that scenario, like you just mentioned, you put in 100,000 and it appraises for 175, you go and refinance it, you now have $75,000 of net worth, 175 minus 100. 
that you didn't have before. Like this, to me, the birth strategy is one of the biggest net worth builders that you can do. And and, and what a great benefit too, while you've got your full-time job. But what I want to go into now is more of the like nuts and bolts and the management side of this, right? So when you were starting in Houston, correct me if I'm wrong, you said you, you were living there or were you still living in Southern California at the time? So I was actually overseas. I was stationed in uh, San Antonio very briefly. And I thought, hey, I like that market. I don't know why. The food was good. People were nice. So I said, I'm just going to buy a rental property right after I left. So I was overseas in another country and I just had a regular property manager doing their thing. I paid 20% down and all that. But, you know, people said, don't do it. You got to be within an hour of your drive. And I was like, well, I can't. So how do I make it work? I'll just say this. Fast forward five years with the advent of technology. I mean, you know, if you read, read this book called The World is Flat by Friedman, you know, he, he we talked about how anywhere in the world you can do amazing things, which we're doing with ring cameras and Wi-Fi's and Google's satellites and all that. But with that said, living living uh, 12 time zones away and even five or being on a three-hour flight forces you to make every decision where it's not reactive. So people mm. say, that's bad. But I was like, in, in retrospect, that's the best thing that ever happened. Because if a problem happened, I couldn't get into a car and drive over and fix it. And then because yeah. if you do that repeatedly, you just are creating a job and you're just never creating a business or a system. So because it was far away, what that forces you to do is every time you get it, you say, I'm going to get this call again, right? So what do I do next time? I can't fly over there. So what you, what it's a fundamental shift is you have to create what, what I call an SOP. That's what I learned at the Army. It's called a uh, standard operating procedure. Any military person will like, you go in, they give you a stack of SOP and it doesn't matter. And that's why if one military guy comes in, another, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't rely on a person, it relies on a system. And so that was drilled into me and I'm dispensable because if you die in, in the battlefield, someone takes your place as long as they know the SOP, right? But it takes a while to develop. So I created uh, slowly through VAs, through technology and SOP, standard operating system so that I'm replaceable, but so is everyone on my team. Someone's sick, someone quits, someone has whatever vacation, it should just move forward, right? That's what a true business does, right? And because... Uh, I was so far away, I had to think of it in that perspective that I got to fix this problem now, but I got to create an SOP for the next time for that mm -hmm. so that my assistant will do it. And so over years, you just sort of slowly develop your SOP. That's awesome. Okay. So if you're here live right now, or if you're watching on the YouTube channel later on, by the way, if you guys don't know, the best way to be able to interact with us in these is to be a part of the six-figure formula. You can go check that out at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. If you're in the six-figure form, you're listening to this live right now, what is one SOP that you have implemented in your business that you're like, doesn't matter if I'm overseas or right next door, it can get done because I have the right SOP in place, standard operating procedure. I think what I resonate with you on this, Dan, is I used to live at one of my Airbnbs. I lived in the mother-in-law unit when I was a bachelor. And that three bedroom, two bath in the front was being rented out. When I first moved in there, man, I would go in any, any excuse I had to go in there when a guest moved out because it was so close to me. And what I found myself doing, oh, I'll go in there really quick before this meeting. Before I know it, 10 minutes later, I'm calling and canceling meetings because I'm like, I need to clean this place. The cleaner didn't do a good, good enough job. And I start doing all these things, right? That like, 
it's such a menial task. It shouldn't be me, but we think because it's there, it's in front of us and we're just go, go, go get things done that it has to be us. And so I love what you say there because what I eventually had to tell my team was, even though I live right next door, do not call me to go in there. I'm not going to step foot in there because I know as soon as I step foot in there, all of our SOPs go out the door and I'm not using my team. Big opportunity here to get Mount for three months for free. Have you even checked out Mount yet? If you haven't, you need to. Extra streams of revenue, unique amenities for your guests, and absolutely no risk. Think about it this way, offering bikes, golf carts, kayaks, paddle boards, and so much more to your guests with none of the liability while getting paid for those extra amenities. And Mount takes care of everything, payments, insurance, GPS tracking, and there's no cost to get started. You can start making as much as $300 or more per door per month. If you sign up with Mount right now, you're going to get a free consultation and that free three months, absolutely no risk. It's worth it. Go check it out. Just go to the show notes to get your free three months started. So have you ever had moments though, where like you had to work against your, your instinct and say, no, I'm not going to go do this thing. Maybe you were in town visiting your properties too. I don't know. Anything like that ever happened? I still do. I do it. I did it this morning and that's our human nature to have control. Like I'm doing it. So I, I just answered a, a message about how to do a maintenance that because we own, we have to do maintenance and we use things like how to utilize home warranty for cheaper fixes inside. But if you have a fourplex, home warranties are great because, you know, they just warranty the building, but they, they don't know that you have four units. You have plenty of home warranty for four units. But anyway, so I would message a VA is like, uh, talking with something and it's like, this is probably better. But what I should do, and I have to hold myself back to answer your question is let my operations manager to do it and talk with him yeah. is twice a week. You know, and just write it all down and have him implement my SOP and so on and so forth, you know, like a real business instead of me jumping in and talking to a VA, I have five or six people, so talking to one of them directly. So that's good. So yes, that is what we all want to do. Uh, and sometimes when you feel like your business is not working well, you feel like you got to jump in and start, or maybe you, you feel like, Hey, you got to tell them, I'm still in here. I'm still watching everything. That kind of thing. But I, I think that's actually counterproductive when I do that. I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to read a couple of comments that um, some of our listeners have been throwing here for that question that I asked about their number one standard operating procedure. What is your, Dan, your number one standard operating procedure that you feel like has given you the most freedom from your business? Um, and before you answer that, Ken says his is his cleaning process and communication with his team. And then uh, another Dan here says, a cleaning guide and a house manual that are standard for all properties. So those are good. Thanks, guys. What do you think, Dan? What's that number one that's given you the most time freedom? I would say up to one that's helped us is yes, we have a, a clean SOP and you know a guidebook and everything. But one is we use a task called Breezeway, and yeah. what we do is um, we have three things. And number one is we have what we call the uh, backup system so when a person goes in the cleaner goes in they look at everything and they the beds but the reason why they rush is they want to get to the next job and they want to get out of there and so we force and we require every cleaner to have a backup set blue taped with the signature photographed with their name and date when they made it so that the next cleaner whether they're from turnover bnb new cleaner or any cleaner will go in there and say there's a backup set this person is responsible. And if mm -hmm. they put a stained or dirty or they didn't do it right, we know who it is because what they do is they just take that apart, strip the beds, they put it on there and they're already 
all the beds are already made just like that. Mm. All the towels, linens and done within 20 minutes, it's already done before they start cleaning. And now they're doing is now spending the rest of the two hours or hour, two hours, two and a half hours cleaning. So we started implementing that one backup thing. And that had a sort of a downward trickle effect to anyone who's in there. So anyone who comes in, they're like, they can get out quickly. But if you don't have a really good backup set, they're like, then where's everything? I got I to gotta wash this. And that's when the havoc starts. That's helped our cleaning team immensely. That's awesome. I feel like I want to ask the annoying, typical question of what does your team look like? But I want to go a little bit deeper. Your team has something really unique about it. And in the fact of the the way that you use your VAs. I know a lot of other people in their business that are using VAs for guest communication, but correct me if I'm wrong or if anything's changed, your VAs pretty much run your entire business. Is that right? That's correct. All right. Can you can you dive in a little bit more on that? What does that look like? Sure. I initially had a realtor here in uh, Los Angeles help me because I thought I needed someone local. And then I had a, a realtor in Texas. But, you know, at the end of the day, in order for me to put them on a full-time salary, I have to give them U.S. wages, which is expensive. You know, whatever that is, even even in Mississippi to San Francisco, it's going to be more expensive. And so just out of uh, economic necessity, I thought, is there a better way? Because what happened was I would hire, a, let's say, a 20-hour-a-week person. Even if they were brilliant, they just couldn't do everything in 20 hours, you know? And so the way I do it is it's just, I'm not an economist, but you just look at the GDP growth capital income of the world and you see all the rankings from one to 120, like Bahrain and it's up there, United Arab Emirates. But then you look and you go down to like 70 or 80 or 90 and you're like, there's these three countries, okay? South Africa, the Philippines, Pakistan, and India. Why I said that, because their GDP is um, low. And what that means is they don't need a lot of money to have a middle-class salary. So for example, you know, I had a person in Argentina or Latin America too, or Russia is in there. So you look at the GDP and you look to see what countries resonate with you. Maybe you're from Russia, or maybe you're from the Philippines, but where they also speak English. So that that's that intersection. English, low GDP, that means you can pay them anywhere from uh, 4 to $7 an hour, and they that's still middle-class income wages, right? So what I came up with is in, in certain countries, you can pay them middle-class wages, and I have them working full-time. Actually, you can hire three or four people to match what a college-educated person here, and they're all college-educated. And a person working 40 hours here, I don't care if they went to Harvard, they cannot match for college-educated people overseas. It's just not possible. You just have much more brain power. And what I'm buying isn't just, you know, do this, is I'm investing in brain power of problem solving. And that's our core thing. We did a uh, thing in your group, Kyle, a few, uh, a year ago with attraction. And one of the core principles for us is problem solvers. And you, your core principles is bring me solutions that problem. The idea is that identifying problems, you know, problem solver, that's, that's what I bring in. You, you could create an SOP, but you need problem solvers. And so I get smart problem solvers. We have an SOP. It has a rough template. And I just say, get to work. Oh, nice. And so, so I'll give you one example. Uh, so I have an operations manager and we have, you know, four or five VAs underneath him. I have a bookkeeper, et cetera. And that operations manager is also a VA or? Right. Okay. Cool. Also a VA. He, he's in Russia, you know, so he oversees, so he oversees the the meetings. He oversees the meetings with the cleaners. We have cameras. We have breezeway that tracks when a cleaner entered the unit, when they left. I mean, we know when people come in and out. We, you know, 
So it's just, he's just very professional and supplied. His English is good. And so he runs the meetings, he communicates, he hires new cleaners, you know? So we're, you know, like literally he interviewed them, he does a screening and then, and then he says, I think these are the best candidates and then I'll do it as you know, to do the final okay, you know? So he screens and he, and he delegate, post this on ZipRecruiter or Indeed or Craigslist, you know, he delegates all that. So he hires our staff, he runs the cleaning all overseas. So wow. my manager, my highest, so this is, you know, people say, well, this is the concept. The world is flat. My, my uh, manager oversees my business and oversees my U.S. team from another country. That's amazing. All right. So that's your manager, which I agree. Like my manager does not go to the property. She, in fact, because of workman's comp, I tell her, you're not allowed to leave your house. <laughs> as soon as you leave your house in California and go to one of the properties, now I have to pay way more taxes on workman's comp for you. So I totally 100% agree with you that the manager does not have to be local. But what about, you know, the inspections and making sure the properties are still in good condition? Are you just relying on the cleaners or is there another person in your, in your uh, team? I think two things. So when we do the Breezeway, it's this third-party app that you can take photos and maintenance. Mm -hmm. And so we have maintenance people who come. We have one in-house maintenance who helps with that. But because we have three or four cleaners that are rotating, it's not one person. So we purposely have a system where we have a home base where one cleaner near their home, they're doing 70% of the cleanings. And this cleaner over here, they're doing 70% of cleanings, and then we rotate them. So this causes transparency and honesty. Like if they're not doing the cleaning, the backup's right, the other cleaners are going to report that, right? Mm. And, and then, so there's the photos. It's like, hey, the dust in the ceiling fan, that hasn't been cleaned for months. Yeah. The other cleaner is going to report it on this cleaner, right? And the vent, you know, AC vents. So here are the four things behind the stove, the window sills, the ceiling vents, the fans, and the, the AC vents. Those are all, we, they always get missed, right? In the front and back porch. Yeah. They're just reporting it. And so now we just have a checklist. So yes, cleaners will do 80% because they're reporting it. And then finally, the all-powerful guest review. And we'll actually mm. follow up. If they give us five guests, we say, hey, we'll give you $10. Or we'll say, can you comment anything about the cleaning or in this? So we, we give them a, you know, we'd love to, we're going to give it to them anyway. Here's $20 for a future stay for direct booking. But could you give us any comment on the, on the cleaning? And so we have more stuff. And then I have one VA who basically puts that into Breezeway and Excel or whatever and say, here's all the stuff that we have. And we close the unit down for a day, have our maintenance guy fix five or six things that day on that unit. And then you just kind of keep it going. So Hopefully I answered that question. First of all, that that's really cool to hear you because we actually talked about that within our team of like, well, maybe the cleaners should be inspecting other cleaners. And we ended up just hiring an inspector instead of doing that. So it's great to hear the proof of concept of that still works. And that's the great thing about this business, right? Like no two businesses are the same in short-term rentals. I, I feel like every single person I talk to is a completely different look on their team. But if I'm understanding correctly, you've got your VAs, you've got your cleaners, You've got your typical handymen and people that need to do maintenance. Is there anyone else that we haven't mentioned that's on the team that's helping you do this remotely? The guest is, they're the critical part of our team. That's the most critical. They take photos. We'll actually ask them, we'll message them privately because we don't want to, you know, have them, you know, throw us under the bus on Airbnb. So we'll just message them on Grasshopper or whatever, with texting. It's like, can you show us what you mean by hair? And those are just like, yeah, boom, 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 boom. And then. You know, or can you tell us what you mean by what's broken, you know, or what's what what you mean by a creaking door? And they just they're free and they give you 
awesome inspections. So we really utilize our guests. They're the most important part of our inspection team. Awesome. Okay. The real question here is not cleaners, not handymen, just your VAs. How much of a monthly nut does that cost you? So it depends on the city, but I'll give you mine. My manager, I'm going to, I'm not going to say lower, but you know, non-manager. So if you get a, what I considered a very uh, legit VA college educated, they know about Airbnb because they work for Airbnb. I have one person who worked for Airbnb, Airbnb review disputes. You know, the people who we like, she, and I had a previous one, they worked for me and their main job is to take down reviews, right? But anyways, but that's one of her jobs. But so you may have to pay, depending on the country, uh, somewhere between uh, six to ten dollars. Between whether it's um, South Africa, Philippines, Pakistan, and then for an entry level, what I do is I say for the countries that I target, somewhere between three to four dollars. I say the first month is a trial period, three dollar flat rate, and after that it goes up from four, five, six, seven, eight, and the managers will get a little more, of course, and then I give, and then so I would say one VA you can have a, if you wanted to get one solid VA. You're paying full-time 40 hours a week at $5 an hour. You know, you do the math. And then if you have a set of five, you don't, it's not $5 an hour for five. It's one who's really good. And then you hire, let's say three at four, you know, a, a cheaper rate. Does that make yeah. sense? And it's, so it does. yeah. So it depends. If you have a lot of units, you're going to have more. And if you have, you know, a few, you're going to have less. I would say, but before I say VA, I'll, I'll say this personally, Kyle is, when you're doing the VA, look, look at it as a, t- a time to grow your business, meaning growing your business is you could call it growing in terms of expanding and getting numbers. What I mean by growing your business is growing it deep and creating an SOP, uh, a yep. true system so that you, as you get layer on additional units or as you hire other people, they just come in and we just had the VA come in and you say, here's our Loom videos. And here's the tutorials from Logify or Hostfully. Look at that and here's what you do. So we have a week of training and then we have the other VAs training them for a second week. And then third week, there's so there's actually a little training program for four week run up during that trial period. And then at the end of the four weeks, we decide whether we're going to keep them long term or, you know, we make that decision. So I'd say invest in going deep and creating an SOP. Even if you hire a VA, you're like, okay, anytime there's uh, something that you have to do more than twice, make an SOP. Yep. And then what I do is every few months, I look at all the SOPs or now I have my VA do it, is update the SOP because things change, right? And so I'm getting into the real grainy stuff of making SOP. So, you know, in my profession, it's called see one, do one, teach one. So you see one and then you do it after you learn it. But then the only way you really learn it is when you teach it, okay? Mm-hmm. And so what I do is, I have the new VA sometimes actually create a Loom video after they've done it two or three times. They will create the Loom video, but during that period, they will research what it is to, you know, find an HVAC person or how to use, you know, home warranty or use Best Buy extended warranty or, you know, all this, you know, they'll create it. So the SOP is not just one time and it's stagnant. It's refreshed every, you know, whatever, how long it needs to be as you have more people. So it's an organic sort of in, in time SOP that grows with your business. That's good, man. I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. We're getting to the end here. I think the big thing I just really want to point out to people. So the incomes that you just mentioned there, call it between, you know, five, $6 an hour on average, that comes out to 
40 hours a week, you're looking at 800 to $1,000 per VA. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Okay. How many do you have on your team total? I have right now five. Okay. So let's round that up. That's $5,000 a month, guys. All right. I, I'm just telling you right now what it costs me to run my team. And I have VAs as well, but I don't utilize them in the same way that Dan does for a number of different reasons we have to go into right now. But it's $15,000. Like I'm literally, Dan literally has a six figure income that I could tap into if I did my business the same way that Dan does. So whether, whether you are looking to do this completely remotely or do this in your backyard or, you know, have your own team, I think the bigger thing here is a, it's possible to do this with people overseas, but B, if you don't have SOPs, if you don't have what Dan has been talking about, which is, you know, a standard, uh, let's call it company manual or playbook or company handbook, whatever, fill in whatever term you want to use. If you don't have that, then you really don't have the opportunity to say, hey, it's okay if you're sick. We've got someone else that can go in and do it. All they have to do is read from this, this SOP and go and fill in the, the gaps. And that's the difference to me between doing Airbnb or running a short-term rental business, right? Too many, a lot of people do Airbnb. They get one, two, three, four, five properties. They manage it themselves and they never can envision how to go beyond five properties. It's the SOPs and treating it like a business that can get you to where Dan's at today, 35 properties that he's owned, that he's doing from another location. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing what you've done and I'm really happy that you've been here to be able to, to share that with people. So thanks for, for jumping on, Dan. Uh, you're welcome. Glad to do it. Awesome. All right, uh, Dan, any last words before we uh, log off here? Uh, no, no. I think we covered a lot. Is there any place that people can connect with you, Instagram or online or anything like that? So for your folks, I am in that Facebook group. And I was just yes. telling Kyle before, I mean, I'll check it about twice a week. And uh, so I'm not always on there. I don't do Instagram. I have so Facebook for the people in this group and more than I think there are several people like there was one guy that was group and I forget his name. He was in Seattle. We messaged a few times, but I'm happy to interact there. Awesome. Guys, again, that's just fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. And you can go check out uh, the replay of this. You can check out all the course material we have and you can connect with amazing people like Dan. That's awesome that you offer that up. And I know you've always been just that giving person, not a, not expecting anything in return. So I appreciate you doing that. Dan, thanks for jumping on here and helping our audience to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We'll keep you here now for the live Q&A with our 6FF group. Five VAs, $1,000 each. We're, I mean, th this is such an amazing business model. Now, I'll just give you a little bit more insight of why I don't do it this way. Me personally, I didn't even know VAs were a thing when I first started. And then when I got into VAs, I already had an in-person cleaning manager and a chief of operations, again, in person. And I am doing this business now at this point, not really for my own bottom line, but also for the betterment of others. I want to be able to impact others. So, you know, that COO and cleaning manager who do such a great job with me have shown so much loyalty to me that I, I want to show them that equal loyalty. But if I started my business today and I heard about this from Dan, I'd be like, dude, I'm doing it that way. Like I'm getting VAs right away. I'm finding them. I'm building SOPs and I'm going to start that right now so that I can cut a bunch of my overhead. Personally, that's an amazing way that you can do this. And, and really it's true Aside from seeing properties in person, which again, your cleaners, or you could hire an inspector, even though Dan doesn't have one on his team, you can hire an inspector and have them do the inspections for you so that you 
or your team don't have to be taxed with, well, what is the condition of the property like? So those are the the ways that if I were to do it, I probably would still have an inspector along with the cleaning team and the maintenance men. That's my two cents. But Dan uh, has been an amazing influence to my business and one of the reasons I did start using VAs. And I would definitely say to implement that into yours. That's going to do it now today for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We will see you next time. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called the Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals. Thank you.